Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. generosity from a few vantage points that I believe can make us as a church and as individual believers in Jesus stand out in this cancel culture that we find ourselves. Now, remember, when we look at cancel culture, what are we talking about? What are we talking about when we talk about cancel culture? We've been sharing this over the last couple of weeks. Cancel culture is the withdrawing of support from a public figure or a company when they have done or said something that is deemed offensive or objectionable. Uh, group shaming, you might call it. Cancel somebody out. We're, we're just going to be done with them, kind of cancel them out. That's the, that's the environment that we can find ourselves viewing, interacting with in the culture that we see today. And, and what's promoted in cancel culture is more greed than generosity. Because in, in cancel culture, in the culture at large, it's more about what I can get for me rather than what can I give for someone else generously. Think about it this way. In our relationships, uh, oftentimes there's transactions that are happening. It's a system of transactions. If you show me respect, then I'll show you respect. If you're indifferent to me, then I'm not going to be open and, and friendly with you. These, all, these transactions take place, whether we realize them or not, there's this system in our relationships and in our culture where transactions begin to take place. And when we work within a system of transactions within our relationships, we do not lean towards generosity. What we end up doing is leaning to what benefits me the most when we look at relationships. What can I get out of that relationship? What can I get out of knowing? What can I get out of that networking opportunity? What can I get out of it for me? And then we don't have a holistic view of being generous in our relationships. So when we lean in this direction, we are turning away from being generous with our time. When we find ourselves interacting just like the culture interacts, we turn away from being generous with our words, the words that we share in relationship. We, we are no longer generous when listening to someone. We don't want to take the time to listen. We're not generous with wisdom that we can pass on. And on and on we could go. We, we don't have a holistic view of generosity when we're interacting the way the culture interacts, which is a transactional, relational kind of system. But God calls us to more. Why? Because God is generous. I think we could, if we had time, we could go around the room this morning and we would all testify in some form or fashion how God has been generous to us. 
and even recently how God has been generous to us. So we recognize that this, this, there's this cultural relational system of transaction, but we also recognize that our God is generous and calls us to live generously and have a holistic view of generosity. And this leads us to our big idea for this morning. And the big idea for today is give to others because God gave to you. Give to others because God gave to you. As a church, if we're going to stand out and cancel culture, if we're going to be uh, luminaries, if we're going to be lights in a darkened world, then we must give as God has given to us and show generosity to others. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to show you three principles under the banner of this big idea, give to others because God gave to you. And we begin in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, as Paul writes to the church. The first principle we see is generosity in relationships. So remember, a holistic view, and it begins with relationships. Philippians 2, verse 4. This is what Paul writes. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So he writes to the church. He's writing to the church about the, the workings of relationships in the church. And he highlights here in this one verse the importance of being generous to one another in the church. Why do you think that's so important? Because even in Paul's day, generosity was not a valued commodity in the culture. He's teaching the church, he's teaching the believers in Philippi to look out for each other's interests. I remember several years ago, I was talking with a guy about college, about his college experience, about his days in college, and he made this statement about the college that he attended. He said, you know, you don't really go to that college to get an education. You go there for relationships and networking. I wonder what his mom and dad thought about that, right? I'm paying all this money for tuition and fraternity and all this kind of stuff for you to just go make friends. You can just walk on campus and make friends. I don't have to pay all this stuff for you to go to class, right? But he was highlighting that there was this network and this relationship for the kind of career he wanted to be in. That's why he chose that institution. That's why he chose that school. And many times we look in our past, such as college, to, to experiences like college, and we remember the rela- relationships the most. I was watching a movie with Lindsay recently, and here's a quote about relationships. It says, fingerprints never fade from the lives we touch. Fingerprints never fade from the lives we ch- touch. You see, the, the guy that was telling me about his college experience, he was showing what he was pointing out is those relationships were to benefit him moving forward, right? That's the culture. But to really impact someone for Christ, to leave a fingerprint for all of eternity, we must be generous. We must be generous in our relationships. We are not seeing in our culture this component. We're not seeing in relationships this component of generosity. We're not seeing a fruit of the spirit of kindness and patience in our culture. But we as the church, by the word of God, are to exemplify what the culture is lacking. Patience and kindness and graciousness being generous in our relationships because it's part of who Jesus is 
It's part of who we're called to be as disciples and authentic followers of Christ, and it's what we're called to be as the church. Think about it. Why over the last decade has bullying become such a big hot topic? Think about that. How many, how many advertisements, how many stories, how many things have you read regarding bullying, bullying in school or elsewhere in the workplace? Because kindness is not valued. And if we're not being generous in our relationships, we're not going to show kindness. Kindness is not evident in our culture. If we refer back to where we began in this sermon series and we talked about the fruits of the Spirit, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5 about the fruits of the Spirit. And kindness is one of those fruits. What should be evident, what should be blooming from the life of believers is the spiritual fruit of kindness. And that means we're showing generosity in our relationships when we interact with each other because we're showing them the kindness that God has shown us. If you are an authentic follower of Jesus, the kindness of God has brought you to his forgiveness of you because of his grace in your life. Therefore, we should exude that kindness to others and be generous with that spiritual fruit. It's not simply that we forget to be kind. It's not simply that we need to go find a, a book on the shelf that some, uh, some self-help guru has written about how to be kind. It's, it's not that kindness is, is something that we generate on our own. But we're not kind because of the heart disease we all have. And that heart disease is a blockage. And spiritually speaking, that blockage is sin. Our hearts are sinful in our fleshly state, and that's why we need the generosity and the graciousness of our Savior to renew our hearts and to move us to be generous in our relationships and to show kindness that the culture doesn't show. Therefore, if kindness is a spiritual fruit, we need to go before the Holy Spirit and ask Him. Ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate to us those relationships we need to be generous in. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate for us who is that, that person or who is that family, who is that individual that, that we're interacting with that needs kindness in their life. And then ask the Holy Spirit to give us the courage to be generous in that relationship, to show that kindness. Think about how big of an opportunity you and I have. Think about the opportunity we have. Maybe more important, more specifically, think right now who God is placing in your mind, who God is placing on your heart to be generous in relationship with. Begin to think in that direction. Right now, as, as we're interacting with God's word in Philippians and as we're talking about what's missing in the culture, think about, reflect on that where you sit right now. Who is God laying on my mind? Who is God placing upon my heart? that needs generosity in the relationship that I can reach out to in kindness and with grace to exemplify God in that relationship. Why is this so important? Because God desires for us to be generous for his glory. God desires you and me to be generous in relationships with others, to have a holistic view of generosity in our life, where we are generous in giving kindness, 
patience, fruit of the Spirit to those in need. To those that are struggling in the culture so that they might know who Christ is. This this kindness, this generosity, this patience, it may be absent in the culture, the culture that we inhabit, but this should not become the habit of the church. The church should not have the habit of withholding kindness. The church should not have the habit of withholding generosity. The church should not have the habit of withholding patience in relationships. But exude the generosity that God has given us for the glory of his name. And Paul writes about this in in Galatians chapter 6. When he speaks about how the church carries one another's burdens. Listen to what he says. Carry one another's burdens In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So that speaks to the importance of the church and relationship. Paul's Paul's showing here that within the church and in the relationship among believers, that we're not to isolate, but that we are to have authentic community with one another so that we can help each other carry one another's burdens. So if we're going to be generous in our relationships, it means going to, there's going to have to come a point where some of the guard is let down and some real conversation begins to happen. And we lock arms to help each other walk this journey together. That the church would exemplify those kinds of relationships that the culture is actually starving for because the culture cancels each other out. This is so important when we think about generosity. It's so important for your relationships, my relationships, our relationships together as brothers and sisters in Christ. That we would exhibit this kind of generosity in these relationships. It's part of who we are. Here at First Baptist Church, we exist to cultivate authentic followers of Christ. And one value we have is authentic community. And so maybe God's showing you right now. How can I be more authentic in the community life of the church? What step can I take to engage in deeper relationship so that we as a church can help each other with the burdens that we have? But when we think holistic about generosity, it not only includes our relationship, it includes our days. And that's the second principle I want to share with you. That second principle comes from Hebrews chapter 2. So we begin in Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. If you're on your device, just click out, scroll up to Hebrews. And uh, you might beat everyone that has the paper Bible in their hand. How about that? But Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Because if we're going to have a holistic view of generosity, it's not only about relationships, it's about time. Because it takes time to build relationships. Paul writes, excuse me, the author of Hebrews writes here in verse 9, But we do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time, that by God's grace he might taste death for everyone, crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. This verse shows us something very specific about the gospel, about the life of Jesus. That Jesus for a short time came. He entered our time 
in space. And in just a little while, Christmas will be here. And we'll be celebrating the birth of Christ. And he, the author of Hebrews points to this time where for a short time, he stepped out of heaven. He stepped into our space, into our time. And he was generous. And he was gracious. The author here says that he tasted death for everyone. And so the gospel says that he lived the life we couldn't live because he's, he's sinless. He, he died the death that we deserved because we are sinful. And then three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering death so that we might have the hope of all eternity. But there was a short time where Jesus took the time to enter into our world. Why? Because he wanted to. He loved you and me so much that he wanted to step into our time and space to save us from our sin. This is how generous our Savior is. This is how generous God is to you and to me. That the gospel says that, that even though we were dead in our transgressions, that we were sinful and condemned by our sins, that Jesus wanted to. Come in here real close. Jesus wanted you. He wanted you, so he took the time to come to die for you because he wanted you, because he loves you, because he is gracious and he is kind and he is generous. And the gospel illuminates that Jesus came for a time and he has shared our space and time out of his grace for us. And when we recognize the grace of Jesus in giving time as a servant, we must follow his example. Paul writes in Philippians, elsewhere in Philippians, he says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Jesus chose to serve out of his love, out of his kindness, out of his graciousness, out of his generosity. He came to serve, to obey, even though that meant he went to the cross. And so when we think about generosity, it means we have to think about our time. How are we being generous with our time and with our days to glorify God? Are we filling our time with things of this world? Are we filling our time with things of comfort? Are we filling our time with the things that our hearts desire? Or are we reevaluating our time and how we can be generous with our time to reach out to someone else for the glory of the Savior who gave himself? Because if Jesus gave his time to save us, then we are called to follow his example. And what's missing in the cancel culture is being intentional with time. What, what cancel culture is, is, is wrestling with is there's not enough time to get what they want done. But the church is to be separate and reevaluate and understand how to be generous with time for the glory of God. Why is this, why is this important? Because we can't fulfill Jesus' command to his disciples without being generous with our time. Jesus' command in John chapter 13, this is what he says. 
as, as he's getting ready to go to the cross, as he's with his disciples, in his last moments with his disciples, what does he tell his disciples? He says this. You must show, he says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are to also love one another. You can't love someone else the way Jesus loves without giving them time. You can't show someone the love of Jesus without being intentional with giving them time. You can't expect God to use that relationship if you're not intentional about investing time in that relationship with someone that needs to know the Savior, that needs to be pulled out of the culture that is condemning them and to be brought into life and light of the Savior. So when we think about the holistic view of generosity, yes, it matters for relationship, but relationships have to have time for us to show the true love of Jesus to someone that needs him. So we have to think, how am I spending my time? And then we have to think, who is it that God is leading me to to be generous with my time? And then we have to pray, God, reevaluate my heart, my schedule, my life, so that I can glorify you by being generous with my time, by serving someone else, by serving within the church, by serving someone for your glory, by reaching out to someone that needs you. God, help me do that. Time is valuable, but we are also called to be generous with our valuables. Recently, I watched a movie. As we come to the third principle, generosity with our finances. So generosity with our relationships, Generosity with our time, generosity with our finances. We want to give to others because God gave to us. Recently I watched the movie The Founder. I know what you're thinking. Guy, you're watching a lot of movies. Well, it's a pandemic, okay? Give me a break, all right? But I've never seen this movie, The Founder. I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it. It's about the story of McDonald's. I've never heard the full story of McDonald's. But it tells the, it tells the tale uh, of, of the gentleman that met the McDonald's brothers out in California back in the 50s, saw their process, but his ambition took over. His name's Ray Kroc. And don't get me wrong, once McDonald's took off and became the billion-dollar corporation, there was a lot of generous gifts and donations given. But at the core, at the very beginning, Ray Kroc had a very specific ambition. And he took the McDonald's name, and he took the franchising, and he took everything to build a billion-dollar corporation because in his life, it was all about what profited him. It was all about how can I build an empire for my name in my way and live the quote-unquote American dream. That's the culture. But God calls the church to be opposite of the culture. God calls the church and the disciples that he has saved by his grace to be different than the culture. So when we see stories and we see tales like that, we have to stand on edge and we have to be careful because we're not called to serve money. We're called to serve God.
And I'm going to share with you three quick things about this. I want you to think about why should we not be taken over with the ambition for financial gain. Ray Kroc was taken over by that ambition of financial gain. He was going to do anything and everything, even taking the name McDonald's away to build his empire. And we are tempted because we are, have sinful hearts to fall into the temptation of seeking financial gain by any means that we can. And we have to be on guard against that as a church. And here's why. First, we are, as, as God's church, as God's people, we are to exemplify our dependence upon God, not on finances. Our security doesn't come in our bank account. Our security comes in a gracious Savior. We do not find our security in dollars and cents. We find our security in Jesus the Savior. So we have to recognize that a holistic view of generosity, relationships, time, but also our finances. How are we going to be generous when it comes? How are we going to guard our, heart, our hearts against falling into that temptation of making money more than it should be in our life? Second, we are to exemplify our worship of God when we are generous with our finances and not giving in to idols of a material world. What sits on the throne of your heart? What sits on the throne of your heart? If it's anything other than Jesus, then it's become an idol. Listen to what author Paul Tripp states about idolatry. Remember the biblical principle of idolatry. Desire for a good thing becomes a bad thing when that desire becomes a ruling thing. I'm going to read that one more time. Paul Tripp says this. Remember the biblical principle of idolatry. Desire for a good thing becomes a bad thing when that desire becomes a ruling thing. You see, generosity with our finances, it keeps finances from being a ruling thing in our life. And that's, being, that's standing out from culture. Because culture is gimme, 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 gimme. And when you're done... Put a little extra on top. But to stand out from cancel culture, we have to think, how can I be generous with what God has blessed me with for his name? And how can I be generous so that it's, it's guarding my heart from the idolatry of material things? Finally, why is it so important? Giving generously with our finances, it aids the mission of God. It's all God's, right? It's all his. And so giving back to him, giving back to him is placing our security in him, but also giving back to him is to help the mission of God's kingdom move forward. Giving back to him helps people become safe. Giving back to him helps those that are poor. Giving back to him helps the kingdom advance. Giving back to him is for his glory and for our good. So this is so very important in a culture that will tell us something completely opposite. Generosity with our finances is not about an obligatory act in a southern culture. And at its core, it's not about giving to God so in turn God will bless me with more and more. No. Generosity with our finances is obedience to a loving God for the mission of God. 
It's obedience because we understand God's generosity to me and my family. And it's also purposeful for the mission of God to advance. And so it's an act of worship so that the purpose of God moves forward. It is an act of worship to a gracious God who has renewed our heart, who will protect us from that temptation when we lean into him, trusting him, because he is where we find security. As we wrap up, what's missing in our culture? True generosity. True generosity is missing in our culture. Holistic generosity is missing in our culture. It may be missing in our culture, the culture that we inhabit, but that should not become a habit of the church. It should not be the habit of the church where there's not generosity in relationships and there's not generosity with time and there's not generosity with what God has blessed us with financially. That should not be said of the church. It's missing and absent in the culture, but the church should, should hold generosity high. And the church should give to others because God has given to us. Is God done with 2020? He's not. Three more months. I want to bring it back around to, to what I said earlier. How might generosity in your personal life, how might generosity in the life of our church, how might generosity make a difference in the next three months for someone you know? Generosity in the relationship where the fruit of the spirit of kindness is given. Generosity in time where, where the calendar's rearranged a little bit and we invest time to show the love of Christ. Generosity in, in, in worship through giving. That it is an act of worship. It's not something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do for the mission of God. God's not done with 2020, and you and I shouldn't be either. As much as happened in 2020, and as much as we hear about 2020, God has us in this time for a reason and for a purpose. How might generosity being exuded and exemplified from the church make a difference? Give to God because God has given to you. This generous life is what I want for you today. This understanding of generosity and this gener generous life is what I want for you today. I want you to give love to others generously in your relationships. I want you to give generously of your time to someone investing in them for the name of Jesus. I want you to give generously financially out of worship to the true God who has been gracious to us in so many ways. Generosity might just be the game changer for your life or my life, for the life of someone who needs to know Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we bow before you today. And I know times are tough, God. I know times are tough. And I know there's a lot going on, and individually for, for some sitting in this room today and some watching, it's so, so much going on, it's hard for them to talk about. But I pray that above all, they would recognize today 
that you are a gracious, generous God that can provide for them. And I pray that they would bask in that today. And there may be one listening or there may be one here today that's never fully given their life to you. They, they've, never, they've never walked through the door of grace to be embraced and, and to acknowledge you as Lord and Savior of their life. And maybe today is the day of salvation for someone. And then they may just want to stick around after we dismiss. I would love to talk with them. If they're listening, I pray that they would contact us. We want to journey in faith with them to help them be in an authentic relationship with Jesus. There may be just someone here in the, in the room today that where they sit, they just want to recommit. They, they want to recommit to, to being generous because they've recognized that, that your generosity is overwhelming. And they want to take steps to be like their gracious, generous Savior. There may be someone in here this morning that you've laid a person, you've laid a family, you've laid a, like a co-worker in their mind and on their heart. And they want to rearrange their calendar and they want to rearrange the priorities that they have right now to invest time in that person or in that family, in that life that needs to know your grace. There may be one here today that's fallen into that temptation of a material world. And for too long they've been holding on to their material wants and and desires and, and that's become ruling in their heart. Maybe today is a day of confession where they turn away from that. And they seek to worship you in spirit and truth by, by giving as an act of worship. Lord, we just ask that you would have your way among your people. We ask that you would, you would bring us closer to you, just one step closer. Give us the courage, give us the boldness, give us the strength to take that step of faith, whatever that looks like. That we may be a people that is set apart that stands out in a culture, a culture about greed, that we might be a generous people for the glory of your name. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your generosity and for your grace. It's in all these things we ask in your name. Amen.